Hi, and welcome to my podcast Knows What You Read in the Dark, a book club podcast made by chaotic people for chaotic people. I'm Lady. I'm Kristen. I'm Caitlin. And I'm B. And we are four friends here to tell you what's what about the books that we read and loved this month, or the books that we hated this month. So to start us off, I think, Caitlin, you had a question for us? I do. So I was thinking about it today because I, you know, last episode did a hate read of A Ruin of Roses. And I was thinking about what are your like immediate no's with a book? So when you pick it up and you start reading it, you're like, oh, nope, this is not for me putting it down. Besides like trigger stuff, obviously, what are your immediate no's for a book? Definitely like cringy dialogue. Like if I can't see someone saying this in real life, I'm immediately going to close it. I agree. That's really tough. Mine is kind of similar to the cringy dialogue, but your girl reads a lot of Kindle Unlimited because finances. Um, And so when I read a lot of Kindle Unlimited and you can just tell like no one edited this. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. You know, where it's just like where you're like, whoever did edit it does not have the command of English that you need to be an editor. <laughs> and I think part of it is similar to the cringy dialogue. Like it just, it pulls you out of the narrative and you're just like, what is happening? <laughs> like, where am I? Yeah, like, like, yeah, yeah. Cause it's like, you're reading and like, you're like cringing and, or flinching. And it's like, I'm here for a good time. I'm not trying to, like, I'm not trying to be like insulted that you think I would, think that this is what real people say in the real world. Yeah. Similar to the clumsy dialogue, for me, it's a clumsy description of what the protagonist looks yeah. like. Oh, yeah. I just... That scene where someone looks in the mirror and starts describing no. themselves. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh my God. there's a more realistic way to do this. Yeah. This and, like, I mentioned this in the Juniper and Thorn episode. It's when character is like, oh, I'm not as pretty as everyone else. Oh, or, like, oh, I'm very pretty. Like, it's, like, this obsession with beauty and, like... Yeah. For example, I I started a book recently that I put down immediately after the first chapter. And then it was, like, oh, this specific, like, category of people in this world, they're all, like, super pretty. And it's both a blessing and a curse. And I was like, no, no. I can't. I'm out. Along that same lines, another big no for me is, like, when authors put way too much emphasis on, like, the clothes that they wear and the way that they wear their hair. Yes. It's very Wattpad. Yes. Yeah, it, it it makes me feel like I'm reading a fan fiction, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. We all love our fan fiction here, but, like, that's not what I'm reading this book for. Like, I don't care what color your dress is and the stitches in it. I just want to know what you're doing. <laughs> Yeah, like, I don't need to know all the items of clothing that are in your wardrobe to enjoy the story. You can just, like, tell me that, you know, you get dressed. That's it. Yeah. You don't need to tell me every detail about the clothes you're putting on. That's usually, for me, like, when I get in and pretty much everything that we've already said, like, I can immediately tell that this is going to be, like, some kind of internalized misogyny bullshit. Like, I'm not like other girls. Like, okay, we get it. You're not like other girls. You're the protagonist of a fantasy novel. There's only a million of you. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Or the thing with the clothes where they're like, I put on my yellow shoes and tied my blue laces and then I buttoned my green jacket. I'm like, okay. It looks so good with my brown hair. That I put in a messy bun. (laughs) Yes. Oh my God. The only time that's appropriate is whenever you're putting on like a fancy outfit for something. Yes. The only time that your outfit is relevant is if it's like, like you said, like if you're going to a fancy event, if you're putting on like armor, if you're anything where what you're wearing is significant. If it's not significant, I don't care and I don't want to know. Yes, I don't need to know that you're putting on your blue jeans. I mean, I guess unless it's the sex jeans from from Fifty Shades of Grey. (laughs) So you went there and I went, unless it's like the magical jeans from Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants or whatever. <laughs> Just the differences in us. It's fine. That's um like the example of like a type A brain and a type B brain. <laughs> Ever since I've learned about the, the Dom jeans, I can't let it go. Like it lives in my Wait, brain. Wait, what is the, I didn't, I, I didn't watch. I watched like part of the first movie. I went, uh, this is not healthy. <laughs> oh, no. I didn't watch it. Caitlin, like she always does, forced this knowledge on me, and now I have to know it. All right, all right. Force the knowledge on me. So there's an episode of uh, My Brother, My Brother and Me where Justin recaps, like, basically, 
a bit from the movie for his brothers. And he, like, says that Christian Grey goes and, like, you know, he's, he's like, a businessman. So he's wearing, like, business suits and shit like that in the movie. But whenever they go into this, like, sex dungeon, <laughs> he goes in and puts on a pair of just, like, average-ass blue jeans. <laughs> no socks, no shoes, no, no socks. shirt, nothing. Just, like, <laughs> blue jeans. That's what does it for us, lady. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't want to see feet. I don't want to picture his feet. <laughs> It's got hobbit toes. Oh, gross. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, anyway, this segment is over. <laughs> the Fifty Shades segment. How to ruin it for everyone. No one has read it. <laughs> how to ruin it for everyone is the title of my biography. It just says, Caitlin, how to ruin it for everyone. A nice. <laughs> Literally. Oh, I feel like that is that has such an accuracy to it. I can't mm-hmm. even... It's perfect. <laughs> yeah. You know what's really depressing? That I just had to write Fifty Shades of Grey as a book that we mentioned on this podcast. Oh, oh I hate this. I'm going to have to record it later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you are. Yeah. So, that's great. That's all right. I played myself. Yep. Well, I think B is first. I am. <laughs> um, which is interesting that we're segueing into no's for books because the book I read this time around. Um, so first of all, I'm B and I am not on TikTok um, at all, uh, which is probably the best decision of my life. It is. I can tell you with 100% certainty <laughs> that it is because I'm addicted to it and I don't even want to be on it. A whole mood. I was just talking to students this morning. So I, I teach uh, and I was talking to students this morning, uh, high school students, and they were talking about uh struggling with with social media apps especially tiktok so i think this author has shown up on on book talk and so the book that i read and and i'm bringing to the table is called buy a thread by lucy score i've never heard of that book or that author i feel like it sounds familiar but i'm not a hundred percent sure so it's and i don't mean to like make you all feel bad, but I found out about it from a different Discord server that I'm on. <gasps> How dare you? Cheater? <laughs> um, so this is, if you recall the, the Discord server that we all met on but left, mm-hmm. this Discord server is also a bunch of people who met and slash started that server and left. So when I was done with the shenanigans, I reached out to a mutual from Tumblr who invited me to that channel. They happened to mention like, valentine's day reads or romance reads um and this is honestly last year when they read it and i didn't read the read it with them and so i read it for february for this year for you all (laughs) yes anyway so so i read this book called buy a thread by lucy score uh the kind of like tagline to it or like category for it in terms of romance and i thought hey february like maybe you need some romance just to kind of live vicariously through that um it's like a grumpy boss romantic comedy and apparently the draft title before they settled on a title um was grumpy grump face no (laughs) um absolutely not no (laughs) no but this is how i would describe myself (laughs) so just to kind of give you a little bit of like the layout of this book it's 73 chapters what Plus an epilogue. Oof. <laughs> are they really oh short? God. Some are short, but most are not. I don't even know how many pages. We have to know. I didn't even look up how many pages because I, I was reading it online. So you know how like the online page system is different. It's 582 pages. Oh my That's god. Ridiculous. Which is enormous, in my opinion, <laughs> for a romance book. That is bat shit insane. For a romance book that just doesn't do much? Yeah. Okay, so that makes me feel better. Uh, and a lot of the reviews that don't like this book mentioned how long it is, and now I feel better because like 582 pages. Don't tell me that I did that to myself again, lady. But you know, I did. I mean, <laughs> sometimes you need to read like a romance book that's 500 pages, I guess. <laughs> I guess. All right. So by a thread, the title is uh, because the two characters end up working at a a fashion magazine. So the two characters, the grumpy boss character is this 44-year-old content editor of a fashion magazine named Dominic, whom the main female character often refers to as Dom. Huh? 
Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. The jokes write themselves. They do. Yes, they do. Right? And there's a whole host of stuff with Dom that basically there's this whole scandal part of like subtext to his story arc where basically he was not interested in fashion. Like he was had like a happy like financial job, but his mom was the like fashion guru, like basically the Anna Wintours of this world. And his father also worked at the magazine, but like essentially in short cheated on the mom and like did really nasty things from his position of power with the women in the office. And so when that scandal like is about to come out, like, and the dad is dismissed, the son has to leave his happy financial like accounting job and come and basically like take care of the the firm, right? Take care of the family business so that no one knows. Um, and so he carries all of those daddy issues with him. And it's like, sir, you are 44 years old uh, and come from enormous wealth and privilege. You should go to therapy. Um. <laughs> I have a quick question. Um, you made like an emphasis on how old he is. How old is the woman in this story? So to be fair, so he's 44 and she's 39. It's not a oh, bad age right. difference. Oh, okay. I was expecting like something dramatic. Oh, yeah. It was more the fact that like. Uh, and this is one of the kind of the biggest critiques of the book is that there's an emphasis made in the book on his age. And part of it is like, how are you this old? And you have not really gotten shit together, which I am not usually that person because I myself am on my own timeline and plenty of people are on their own timeline for certain, you know, life achievements. But a big deal is made about it in the book, which I think also might like be the fact that they're based in New York and there's a whole East Coast and especially in New York, like fast, 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 like the New York minute kind of lifestyle. Um, whereas uh, the 39 year old also does not have kind of what's considered a stereotypical like timeline of achievement. Um, now, a lot of people who have read the book don't like that. I didn't mind. Like I, I wasn't like super into this book. Maybe because it was 582 pages. Yeah, um, really. But I also, like, it wasn't bad. Uh, I think despite it being that long, like, part of it is that a lot of times you read romance and it is very much, like, a survey of their life, of the main characters. Like, you don't really dig into any of these things. So, um, to some extent, for being a romance novel, it it gets into some deeper like subtexts for these characters so like dom having to deal with the really like nasty character of his father uh including like at the end of it a confrontation about it and some revelations about other ways that his father has been a nasty human being and then for the main female character Allie, part of why she's on a different timeline for you know life achievements is that she is essentially the sole not necessarily caretaker, but she's the sole caretaker for her father who has dementia and is living at an assisted living center for memory specifically. Um, and her interactions with her dad, like, don't shy away from sometimes there are really bad days when she goes to visit her father. And part of the her storyline is that when her father basically was diagnosed with dementia, she has to drop everything from her life in Colorado and head back to the East Coast to take care of things. So again, like the fact that they're older is good in the sense that like they have gone through life events and that those are brought up in the storyline. Um, part of me, like you suspend your disbelief when you read a book, right? Part of me is like, well, they're living in New York. They're on different timelines. They've, you know, lived their own separate lives. Uh, and so the romance part of it especially when you get into the like all the sex and smut a lot of it you typically would see or think about for people that are more in their 20s or like young 30s we're talking acrobatic stuff <laughs> some acrobatics but also like like at one point they're at a bar and like sneaking into or like bar restaurant and like sneaking into an unused room and like having sex against a wall and it's like um, you're 44 and 39 you're not really doing that you're like let's just go home your back's gonna hurt the next day yeah i'm 31 <laughs> i can't even imagine the pain i would be in the next day yeah exactly i have an important question about the smut because when i pulled up goodreads to see the page number 
I read a quote and it can't be real. <laughs> oh, God, oh my I can't. god, please share. Please, please, please. It says his mammoth penis no. definitely had a case of amnesia because he was stone hard. Yep. Mm-hmm, that was in there. <laughs> what? <laughs> Lady, I can't believe you made me hear that. I can't believe I said it. Now this is going to be a sound clip that people can have. Oh. Just me saying mammoth penis. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die. <laughs> and so I will say, some, this is something I have to mention for especially one of our friends on our Discord server, the Warren Page Library. So at one point, when they finally do get to doing the deed, uh, they're at his... I guess, house. They end up having sex on the countertop of the kitchen. Yeah, right. (laughs) Is there a lasagna? (laughs) Not near a lasagna. But shortly after the whole sex scene finishes up, Allie, the main character, goes over and starts cleaning the countertop. And there is, again, like a whole like conversation and dialogue in this book of like, why are you cleaning the countertop? And she's like, food. Food is prepared on this countertop. At least it's acknowledged. This is true. We gotta respect that. This is a man in his 40s. He should not be questioning why a countertop needs wiped down. I'm so concerned. (laughs) I know, I know, I know. How has he survived this long? Privilege, right? Like, (laughs) Okay, so the basic premise of the storyline, he goes to see his mother at a pizza place to have lunch or whatever. Uh, And the sassiness between the two main characters starts immediately then because Allie is a waitress at this pizza shop Um, and he's being like a total dick and she responds in kind to him being a total dick, including putting F.U. on his pizza in pepperoni. Okay. And she is, as you would probably expect, fired on the spot. And I know I'm giving a little bit of spoilers away, but like, it's at the very beginning. It's not that big a deal. <laughs> no offense, I will never read this book. <laughs> no, it's not that big a deal. We already heard about, we already heard about the mammoth penis. <laughs> Stop making me listen to it. <laughs> so she gets fired, leaves the premises immediately, goes to the bus stop. Uh, and mom, fashion editor mom, goes to the bus stop and basically hires her on the spot. And also another random bus stop guy who was like, hey, I'll take a job. Wait, wait, uh, what? Back up, what? <laughs> this is in New York. <laughs> like- <laughs> Honestly, this might be how my job hires people. I don't know. <laughs> Hi to any co-worker if I have any listening to this. <laughs> Oh, man. So, yes, mom follows Allie, like this stranger who just got fired, follows Allie to a bus stop and basically is like, huh, basically like, I like your spunk, kid. You need a job now. Here's my business card. Show up on Monday. Uh, And then bus stop guy, whose name is literally Buddy, uh, (laughs) bus stop Buddy, makes this kind of like snide comment as one would. Like, I don't know about you, but I've taken plenty of transportation. And like, if this situation happened at a bus stop, there absolutely would be a person who would make this kind of snide comment of like, oh, sure, you're offering jobs. You got one for me. Mom, fashion editor mom, gives him the business card and is like, what can you do? And essentially, we find out that he's like good with clerk job stuff. And so she's like, well, we need people in our mailroom. Here's a business card. And it's kind of like, where is this job fairy in New York? I know plenty of my friends looking for jobs. So she gets hired basically to the like admin pool, you know, like just the the gophers that have to do all the odd jobs to get stuff ready for the fashion magazine shoots and content and whatever. The grumpy boss part comes in when essentially like as the interactions between them continue and mom also notices that Allie dishes sass right back at Dom. Mom kind of says like, yeah, yeah, good job. Keep it up. And again, because it's a romance novel, there's like immediate fireworks and tension and both of them are like very intrigued by the other one and da 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 um and of course because they work at the same company there are constant daily interactions back and forth between them um i am just going to give you some other highlights um ali's best friend whose name is faith happens to own a strip club in new york and does very well and at one point ali is so desperate for money no. to pay for her dad's dementia like fee. Um, <laughs> she takes up her her friend's offer that she is always denied, but but goes and competes at amateur night. Oh my god! Um, by the way, Allie like loves dance and like teaches a dance class part time uh, in the city, so she wins the amateur night. I would expect 
Nothing less. <laughs> From a protagonist. But would you expect the main character to have, like, spied on her to find out that she was doing this and then to show up and then no. uh, pay oh. $5,000 for a private dance? Creep. Okay. No. I know we, like, Stop jokingly it. talked about Fifty Shades of Grey, but this really has, like... Fifty Shades of Grey, <laughs> like it, it, you're it does, joking, but but with fashion, right? There's just a lot of moments of that, and I kind of just kept reading because I was like, uh, "Let's just finish this." Not really realizing that it was 500 pages of this. <laughs> it can't be this long. It's a romance book. Yeah, they're never that long. It can't be that long. Psych. This is like gender bent Miranda Priestly from The Devil Wears Prada, like stalking Andy at her boyfriend's restaurant or some shit like that. That's like, kind of that's what, what I was this feels like. Yeah, it, uh, yeah, that's basically where we're kind of dealing with it. At one point, Dominic gets too drunk at a like a gala for a fashion designer, and so then there's that softening of the grumpy alpha guy where he's giving like drunk confessions while she drives him home. Um, oh, because I skipped that at that point. Sorry. Part of Dom's habits are to be the fairy godmother anonymously. And so when he finds out about Allie not being able to have money that she needs to fix up many things in her life, um, he manages to get her promoted from the admin pool to his personal like secretary. Favoritism. Nothing cements a relationship like nepotism. Yep. Exactly. But anyway, so that's why she has to drive him home, because he's kind of like, assistant, drive me home. Go get, not Wendy's. No, you're a grown man. Yeah, part of me is like, you have a driver. Like, you literally have a private car and driver on call. But anyway, I'm going to, like, skip the rest of the book, other than just it's a romance, so they end up happily ever after. But uh, I'm ambivalent about it. It was romance. It had smut. It accomplished those things. I appreciated there was more than just smut to these characters so that to some extent you heard about like what things they had to go through in life. But at the same time, it was almost like disjointed because you were like, you're grown people. Why are you trying to like have sex against a wall in a restaurant? <laughs> and why at 39 years old are you writing F.U. and pepperoni on someone's pizza? Yeah. Yeah. But it had moments. And and I was thinking, especially for February, when, I don't know, for me, February, I get overwhelmed by a lot of the pr the pressures, the societal pressures of February. Uh, and so part of me is I just read things that, like, aren't going to mean a lot to me, if that makes any sense. And so I knew from the first chapter that this book wasn't going to mean a lot to me. It wasn't going to pull me in. It wasn't going to change my life. I kind of need, like, that in February. So if that's what your February is like and you need something to be a little bit not a big deal, you can read 582 pages of no. My <laughs> Thread by Lucy Score. I will not. <laughs> I appreciate what you're saying, but I'm going to have to skip it. Yeah. Just because of the length of it, I it's not my type of book anyway, but yeah. I really struggle to get into contemporary fiction a lot of the time just because Same. I don't know, it's not my cup of tea. Yeah. Well yeah, that was what I read. That's great, B. I'm really concerned about the mammoth penis. I hope she's okay. <laughs> yeah. I hope that he got that looked at. I hope she has a really good gynecologist. Yeah. She's gonna need it. Well, now that she works at this job, she has full benefits. So. It's true. It's true. <laughs> oh that's that's nice. Do they cover vaginal reconstructive surgery? <laughs> <laughs> You'd hope, right? With the level of money that he makes at his, uh, like, editor position. But they also live in America, so... So... So who knows? It's yeah, New York, knows? though. It's New York City. There's gotta be someone who specializes in that. You're right. This dude has enough money to drop $5,000 on amateur night at a strip club just to get a private dance. He's got the money to give her vaginal reconstructive surgery. I hate that I... I hate that I just said that. <laughs> sentence out loud i love that you just said that out loud Th this wasn't in my podcast bingo <laughs> someone is gonna listen to this episode and get blackout bingo from podcast bingo just listening to this. oh my god they said they said mammoth penis oh my god they mentioned beetlejuice <laughs> We've already said penis and vagina 
We talked about unhygienic countertops. <laughs> I hope no one has a drinking game. Our listeners game. should make... Yeah, I was just going to say, I ho- our listeners should make a, a drinking game. But please do not include Mammoth Penis on there because we've said it so many times already <laughs> that we're not responsible for any alcohol poisoning. I hope we never say it again. Better yep, never right. say it again, but... Mammoth Penis, Mammoth Penis, Mammoth Penis. <laughs> I'm going to kill you. <laughs> so not nice. <laughs> Oh, God. That was great, B, though. Thank you for subjecting us to that. (laughs) So instead of trying to poison our uh, listeners with alcohol poisoning, Caitlin, why don't you tell us about your book? Yes, let me tell you about my book. I had a really, really hard time picking a book for this month, because really, besides uh, The Stolen Air, because we are now living in a post-Stolen Air world. What a great world it is. I know. It's a I wonderful world. It. Don't spoil oh, we it. Won't, we won't, we won't. I'm not going to say oh, we anything. we won't. Don't worry. Okay, I love you all so much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and we're also living in a post-Mysteries of Thorn Manor world, which... Uh, uh, I could be reading that right now. Oh. Instead, I'm here. Because Instead, you love you're us. Yes. You love us more, so you're here. Do I... Yes, I do. Well, also, yes. And then you're going to, like, rage at all of us until we read it. Oh, they all have, it's the, except you, I think. <laughs> yeah. Dang it. <laughs> yep. Caitlin had it done, like, two nights ago, like a psycho. <sighs> I read it in one day. I read it the day it came out, and I basically did almost nothing else. See, if, if this stuff came out over the summer, when I was free, I would read everything in a day. But it's the end of the term right now, so I have to wait. Tragic. So, I had a really hard time picking. Besides The Stolen Air, really the only books I've been reading are the Temeraire series by Naomi Novik, and while those books are one of my favorites, and I enjoy them very much, I wanted to bring a romance because it's almost, you know, Valentine's Day. Which, I say that as if I haven't talked exclusively about romance books since we started this damn podcast. (laughs) Yeah, really. I don't think, whatever, The Rosens of Ruins, that was not romance to me. Yeah, that does not count. <laughs> it's ca- I think it counts as a method of torture, but not as a romance book. But I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do. And then like a strike of lightning a couple of days ago, I instantly thought about this book that I read last year that was one of the most beautiful books I read. And I knew what I wanted to do. So I'm going to be talking about Down Comes the Night by Alison Saff. Yay! Tell me more. I do not know anything about this book. Yeah, I don't either. Tell us Oh my god, I can't wait. You'll love it. So much like most of the books that I read, I read this book and then forced it on Kristen upon pain of death. She did. And she also loved it. When I read this book, and Kristen, I don't know if you realized this when you first read it either, but this is Alison Saff's debut novel. It came out in 2021. It is so beautifully written for somebody who's writing a debut novel. So just a very quick uh, trigger warning. The author actually had this listed on her website, which I thought was pretty cool of her because not a lot of people do that. But um, the main character of this novel is an experienced healer. So um, there are a few like graphic depictions of surgical procedures and injuries. But um, honestly, after reading it myself, I'd say if you've ever been able to watch anything like ER, 911, Grey's Anatomy, or even something like House. I don't think you'll have any issues with this book. You'd be fine. Yeah, it's not super graphic. Yeah. I'm probably not the best person to make that comment just because I can deal with a lot of heavy things. But yeah, it's even if you're like on the squeamish side, you're going to be fine. Yeah. I think honestly, like the most graphic thing I can think of is like she does a transplant at one point, but it's not. It's not even that graphic. Regardless, I'm not squeamish about that kind of thing either, so I didn't really notice it that much. If you are squeamish, it might be a problem, but I I really don't think it would be that much of an issue for somebody. So Down Comes the Night is a standalone fantasy novel, and it pulls in a bunch of elements from traditional gothic mystery stories like old manor house, creepy host, that kind of thing. The setting revolves around three countries, Denu, Vesria, and Cernos. Danu and its neighboring country, Vesria, both have citizens that uh, have magical abilities, and they have been fighting a holy war against each other for centuries. And it's kind of endless. Like, both sides are looking for vengeance for something that basically happened centuries ago. There's unclear texts as to who started it, 
what the cause of it was, whatever. It is just at this point, it is about retaliation back and forth. Um, Cernos, the third country, has no magic, and they are neutral in the war, but they're, like, way more technologically advanced than the other countries. Which is also just a really cool way to world build. Obviously, a country who does not have any native magic users, it's not going to rely on magic, so it's going to progress technologically, whereas the countries who have magic are going to fall back and rely on their magical abilities to do that kind of thing for them, and they're going to end up falling behind in a technological sense, which... It's just a great little world-building nugget that I really liked. Our protagonist is Ren Sutherland. Uh, she is a girl with healing magic who is a soldier in the Queen's Guard of Danu, and she's also the illegitimate niece of the Queen. She considers herself very emotional and, like, ruled by her compassionate nature. And everybody around her, her best friend, the Queen, they imply that she's, like, reckless or inferior for feeling really deeply instead of, like, hardening herself against her emotions and her compassion. Um, when Ren's parents died, her aunt, Queen Isabel, sent her away to be raised in the Abbey of the Maiden, which is essentially the major religion in the country of Danu. And Ren has taken that rejection very hard her entire life. She's kind of internalized it. So she has worked very hard to become the best healer, incorporating traditional medical practice into her like magic, which is really cool because she does like use needles and scientific experimentation and all kinds of stuff like that. Ooh, with the magic? Yeah, with her magic, yeah. Cool. Because she can just, like, you know, touch someone and feel what's going on in their entire system, but she also incorporates, like, traditional medicine into her practice as well. It it's really, really cool. Yeah, the magic system in this book is really interesting. Like, I thought yeah. that the way that she could just, like, touch somebody and understand, like exactly what was wrong with them was so cool and different like I'd never seen anything like it before yeah and the way that she describes it too is really cool because there's a point where she has a patient that she's treating right and she puts her hands on them to do like the uh dialysis that she's doing on them basically she doesn't just like touch them and instantly know what's wrong she talks about how she can like feel her magic in the parts of the body so like there she's talking about the eyes and she's like I can feel, like, the the blocked-up optic nerves and, like, the compressed veins and stuff like that. It's such a really, like, unique way to talk about magic and to talk about healing magic specifically. I just want this to be real. Like <laughs> I know, right? It's so cool. I was like, please, please be real and then come see me. <laughs> yeah, come fix me. Put your hands on me and just fix every single thing that's wrong with me. So Ren has worked hard to become this, like, incredible healer so that Isabel, her aunt, will see her as an asset, even if Isabel has no desire to fill that, like, mothering role that Ren desperately wants her to. When the book starts, the two warring countries of Danu and Vezria have recently, within the last year, agreed to an armistice, finally, after, like, centuries of fighting. And soldiers from both sides have recently, since the armistice, started going missing. Most recent of those disappearances is Ren's friend, Jacob Byers. So her and her commanding officer, slash best friend, slash the girl that she's in love with, Una, are out on patrol when they find a young boy spying on their soldiers and taking notes. And so they assume that he knows something about the disappearances, and they attempt to take him in for questioning. In the process of taking him in for questioning, he breaks his arm really badly. It's like a compound fracture, bone sticking out. Yeah. And Una forbids Ren from healing him. Una is a, like really complex character. I both like her and don't like her. She is a person who has a sense of very black and white justice, and she is very much like my duty and my position and my dedication to the crown and this country come before anything in my life. It's very clear that she cares for Ren in much the same way that Ren cares for her, but like she will not compromise her position for anything and that is another reason why she, like, tries to tell Ren that she needs to harden herself against her emotions and not feel as much and is trying to get her to, like, push that side of her down in a way. Ren, because she can't watch this boy suffer, even if he is the enemy, she heals him and naturally he uses it as a chance to escape. So now she has not only disobeyed a direct order from her superior, but she's also allowed a possible witness to get away. So she ends up getting dismissed from her position at the Queen's Guard, and the Queen sends her back to the Abbey. And this is where 
the story starts to take off and we get into our great gothic mystery. Yes, this book is just like, I was writing my notes last night and I was like, you need to rein it in. You need to delete some of these quotes that you have. You do not need this many in here because I was just getting like so excited to talk about it. It's like you said, this book is written so beautifully. Like everything is described and interpreted like just gorgeously. Like, I mean, I'm, I actually knew that this was her debut novel when I went to read it because I, after you told me about it, I looked it up on Goodreads and I was like, and you had sent me quotes and stuff. And I was like, this is her debut novel. Like, how is that even possible? I described this book to Kristen as a kind of hybrid of The Sorcery of Thorns, Stalking Jack the Ripper, and The Wicked King. (gasps) I want to read that now. Let me just hop on Storygraph real quick. Pop that on your list. of breath from Lady just now. (laughs) I am currently in my Sorcery of Thorns phase. Yeah. That's all I can think about. It just has this like magical gothic murder mystery. This like this got this soft like romantic story going on in the background. There's all kinds of political intrigue happening. It is just like this story has everything. Um okay. Back to everything. Ren has been sent back to the abbey by her aunt because she's been dismissed from her post. And while she is there, Ren receives a mysterious letter. From a Cernosan nobleman, which again, that's the country that's not involved in the war. They're neutral. His name is Lord Alistair Lowry. And in his letter, he states he has heard of her skills as a healer and he wants to hire her to come to his home, Colwick Hall, to treat one of his servants who has fallen ill. Because his home, all of his servants have recently been affected by, I think he just calls it a plague or maybe a a, a sickness. But they have all been falling victim to this illness that's passing through his household. And he does not want this servant to die. So he asks her to come to his home and treat his servant. If she can successfully treat the servant, he will offer Sinosin military aid to Danu and basically help her restore her reputation, which she wants more than anything. Because when she gets sent to the Abbey, she gets cut off from the Queen, whose approval she desperately wants, and she's cut off from Una, the person that she loves most, and she doesn't have anyone at the Abbey. So she's really looking to restore her position so she can be back with the people that she like loves most in the world. Ren reaches out to the Queen and informs her of the letter and says, basically, that she can get military aid for Danu because since the soldiers have been disappearing from both sides, it's pretty imminent that the armistice that they've agreed to is not going to last. So they know they're going to be back at war soon. The queen refuses to let her go. She tells her it's a bad idea and tells her not to go. But Ren goes. Anyways, she sneaks away and goes to Lowry's castle, which is the setting for our gothic mystery. It is so wonderfully creepy. It has all of the elements of a gothic mystery. Like, his home is secluded in the middle of nowhere in these snowy mountains. The castle's falling apart. It's decrepit. She even comments when she gets there that um, in the study where she goes to meet him when she first arrives is a bunch of taxidermy animals all over the walls. And the stag that's up on the wall does not have any eyeballs, which is so creepy. It is. I, I forgot about that, actually. Yes. Taxidermy stuff always gets me anyway. Yes. When I see it or read about it, I'm just like, oh. Yes. <laughs> and the, the stag not having any eyeballs just adds an extra layer that is just, ugh. Yeah. Just the vacant and like the depth. Yes. So. It has caving in walls, unreliable lighting. There's even a curfew. She's not allowed to leave her room at night. It really kind of sets the scene. Like when I I believe when she gets there also, part of the foyer has crumbled in and there's like a hole in the wall and they've just like covered it with a tapestry. So it's like really cold in the foyer because the snow's coming in. It's wonderful. After she gets settled in the manor house, she is taken to meet her patient, which is, as she's been told, a servant of Lord Lowry's. But it turns out the servant that she'll be treating is actually Hal Cavendish, also known as the Reaper of Vesria, and he is essentially the number one enemy of her country. He is like the top of their military. He has a very powerful magical ability to kill anyone that he looks in the eyes. Oh, damn. Yeah. But he really is sick and clearly dying in this castle, basically in the middle of nowhere, and she doesn't know why. Hal Cavendish is our favorite type of boy. Can anybody tell me what that is? 
Sad and wet and pathetic. <laughs> he is sad and wet and pathetic. Oh, the best. <laughs> yeah, he may be the Reaper, but he yeah. is also baby. <laughs> yeah. He's the Reaper, but he's also the Weeper. Literally. <laughs> hey, I like that. <laughs> so we need to like think about making a sad, wet, pathetic alarm for this podcast because we're definitely going to need it. Oh, yeah. We need a jingle. Yeah, we need a jingle for sad, wet, pathetic boys. Literally, at one point, Ren calls Hal out for what she calls his self-flagellation campaign. So... I'm already in love with him. Oh, he's wonderful. So... Everybody thinks he has black eyes, but Ren describes him as a glacial lake. So they're like basically like a, a black that is almost blue. He has dark hair. He is tall. He is the sad, wet, pathetic of our dreams. Amazing. Make meaningful eye contact. <laughs> oh, girl. Literally my next line. So when Ren arrives and realizes that her patient is Hal, the Reaper of Ezria, naturally, because his power involves looking people in the eyes and killing them she thinks to herself i'll show him i'm not afraid of him i'm gonna look him dead in the eyes so she does end of end of book (laughs) (laughs) so she looks him in the eyes and this is the quote that comes after that ren waited for her heart to stop it didn't her satisfaction melted when she took in his expression lips parted eyes wide he looked like a man seeing the sun for the first time starving almost odd kill me i'd rather die he's so sad and wet (laughs) <laughs> so sad but i will put him in my pocket <laughs> oh my god lady you will want to put him in your pocket so bad there's one point during his like healing process where she makes him get up and get out of bed because he has been like improving and she wants him to get a little bit of exercise they like are basically going to walk down the stairs and then come back upstairs and he like tells her that he can do it on his own but then he almost falls down the stairs so he has to like lean on her to to go down the stairs <laughs> it's so cute Ugh. Wet boy and hurt comfort. Oh. Oh my god. Exactly. <laughs> yes. I will wrap him in a blanket and give him some hot chocolate. Yes. I can't remember if he mentions the age exactly when his powers manifested, but he has spent basically almost all of his life having every person he meets be afraid to look him in the eye because they think he's some like bloodthirsty, cold blooded killer. He's sad. He's sad. Yes. Later on, uh, Ren and Hal are out somewhere together. And they run into, like, a kid who recognizes Hal. And the kid, like, squeezes his eyes shut and, like, looks down at the ground and, like, won't look at him. And, like, Ren has this thought of this is what he has dealt with his entire life of, like, people refusing to meet his eyes and, like, to treat him like a human being, basically. My heart out. I know. So he is just in, like, complete awe that she's brave enough to look him in the eyes to begin with. And I probably don't need to tell you that they have romantic tension right away. Oh, it oozes. I bet. It oozes. At one point, she's taking a blood sample from him, and she tells him he has very stabbable veins. Oh, I forgot about that. It's hot. Yeah. She, like, ties up his arm with, like, the rubber thing to get his veins to stand out, and she's, like, softly, like, stroking the inside of his arm, and she's like, you have great veins, very stabbable, and then slaps his arm. <laughs> <laughs> I love her so much. I know. You're so romantic. Yes. So I won't really get into any spoilers, um, but the culprit of the overarching mystery, I would say, is kind of obvious once the story really gets started. But like the how and the why and the accomplices and the different layers, like make it a really complex, entertaining mystery to read, even if you think you figured out like who did it. I knew pretty early, too. Yeah. But you're kept hanging on because you just don't quite understand why who you think it is would want to do this. Yes. And the whole time that this is going on, that this mystery is going on, that, you know, soldiers are still disappearing and that these two countries are about to go back into a full-blown war, Ren and Hal are just having this beautiful, quiet romance going on in the background. And they're, they're both so conflicted because they understand that they are supposed to be enemies. They've been raised their entire lives to be enemies, and they've grown up on completely different sides. And so they have discussions about the propaganda from their different countries that have been keeping people apart and the things that have been making them like highlight their differences instead of their similarities. But they're opening up to each other more and more as the story goes on. And at one point, Ren even thinks to herself, 
He had done horrible, unforgivable things, but so had her friends. Maybe the only difference between a monster and a hero was the color of a soldier's uniform. That's like one of my favorite quotes of that whole book. Yeah. I have my favorite one is like one of the last ones in here. Ren is such a different type of protagonist. And this is kind of what really, really drew me in about this book is so often when you have a character who is overly emotional or compassionate or anything like that, they're kind of forced to harden themselves against the world that they're in and the things that they're facing to be able to survive over the course of the book. But Ren goes on this journey of like accepting that her emotions are what make her an incredible healer and that her compassion is not a weakness. It is something that she should cultivate and nurture in herself. I love that. Yes, it's beautiful. And ignoring those parts of herself really just dilute her for the benefit of others. And it's not for her. It's so incredibly done. And this book is just kind of all about embracing those parts of you that you see as a weakness and learning that there are different types of strength. And oh my god, the way that Allison Saft writes about vengeance and how poisonous justice can become and how forgiveness is its own kind of strength and takes its own toll on someone is absolutely breathtaking. I could have honestly probably talked the entire time about these two quotes. And these are the last two things that I have because I don't want to talk about anymore because I will end up spoiling the whole thing. But the first one is a conversation between Ren and Una. Ren is trying to advocate for a new path forward for their two countries. And Ren says, I have to believe there's another path for Danu and Vezria. And what is that? Without justice, we have nothing. Justice got us here. Justice will kill us all. So what do you propose instead? Forgiveness. And the second quote, this is the last one I have and the last thing I'll say about it, but this just really sums up the entire like theme of this book. And I really, really hope you guys read it. It's so beautiful. The romance is great. The mystery is great. All this political intrigue, the journey, Ren goes on everything. But you can really sum up the whole theme of this book in this one quote. We are all raised to be cruel. It takes incredible strength to be kind in this world, to endure suffering instead of further it. Amazing. Yes. And applicable to real life, too. Yes. Ah, oh, yes. So much of what you were talking about, Heatlin. So, again, like I mentioned it at the beginning of the episode, but like I'm a teacher. I feel like the same thing happens with teaching and also with like medicine. But like there's so many people I meet either through the friends I have in healthcare or things like that, or even the people that I know in terms of teaching and this like, where's the compassion? Just like you were saying. Yeah. Just like the whole thing you were talking about, like, you know, where is that balance between skill and like compassion and how you have to walk the line in between to be the most effective? Because it's not just a skill as a healer. It's and it's not just the compassion. Like you have to be able to have both. Yeah, I would recommend you guys read it too. It was really good. It was one of the best books I read last year for sure. I've already added it to my TVR. Yes. Yeah, I was like blown away when I found out that it was Alison Saf's debut novel because like I said, it's just it's so beautiful. And it's really saying something very profound about like forgiveness and moving forward and trying to be better than you have been or even like trying to be better than your ancestors have been. It is gorgeous. And like when I say the romance is good, I mean the romance is exactly everything that the four of us want from a romance. Like he is completely starved for her from the get-go. Check. Yeah, check. (laughs) Ladies over here with a checklist. Yes. (laughs) His yearning is palpable on the page. So is hers, but you don't get his perspective and you can still like feel his palpable yearning on the page. So yeah, Down Comes the Night by Allison Saft. I will say I read um, Allison Saft's next book, which is um, A Far Wilder Magic. I think Caitlin already brought this up and it is just as good, if not maybe a little bit better. And if you like Down Comes the Night, you should definitely read that because I read it pretty shortly after I read Down Comes a Night and it it was so good. It's a lot different than Down Comes a Night. It's not gothic or anything like that, but um, the romance is still like soft and yearning and gentle and slow and it has a good story to tell too. So just a little recommendation. She also has a book coming out. I think it's supposed to come out late this year, maybe early next year. Um, I can't remember. I think it's called A Fragile en- Enchantment or A Fragile Attachment. Uh, uh, yeah, A Fragile Enchantment. Yeah, Fragile Enchantment. It is like a Regency era book. 
And it is, again, combining, like, magical realism. So I think the main character, she is a, a dressmaker and she has magical powers and she, like, incorporates that into her dressmaking and stuff. And I'm really excited. There's not really much information about it yet, but I am, like, so, so excited about oh, it. Oh, yeah, me too. So, Kristen, I heard you have a game for us to play. I do have a game. Bookish this or that. So, you know, everybody knows how this works. You just pick one or the other. Um, and I don't have too many of them, but we'll go through them pretty quickly. That way you guys can get to know us a little bit better. We have some newer listeners. Let me say, we have new listeners that are not, like, strictly our close friends. We have people that, like, don't know us, which is very, very cool. It's and like exciting. exciting. Yes. Yes, it's so exciting. I've been, like, geeking out about it all day. But we have, like, people who don't know us listening, which is very cool. And so we'll kind of get to know us a little bit better by doing something like an this. honor yeah i mean it is an honor to know us and to know everything about us so. <laughs> I was say it's an honor that they're listening to us <laughs> of course of course that's obviously what i meant i was with you kristen thank you <laughs> okay anyways um paperback or hardback 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 um hardback i'm the only one that's gonna pick paperback oh my goodness all my paperbacks end up in I know none of us on this podcast care, but if you are a book purist, you like your books to stay in mint condition, please plug your ears for the next few seconds. But <laughs> I end up like curling the cover back so far because I'll end up like rolling the pages back so that I'm like gripping it in one hand. I do that too. Yeah, I do that yes. too. But that's what I like. I never really like learned to do that. So instead, I just prop it in one hand and then my hand cramps. Mm. And that's when I'm like, oh, maybe I should stop reading. <laughs> I haven't learned yet. Yeah. That's that's what I used to do, but then my hand cramps because I'm old. I'm old now. I can't. My wrist <laughs> muscles don't work that well. Like I've got to curl those pages back. Now I lay down and I have my Kindle app open and I just like prop my wrist against the pillow <laughs> while I'm reading. I've had pain in my wrists that I realized later was because I kept reading on my tablet mm. and because of the way that I hold my tablet. Yeah. <laughs> Kept hurting my wrist. Yes, when you can actually figure out why something hurts. Okay, fantasy or science fiction? Fantasy. Fantasy. Usually fantasy for me. Okay, me too. Romance or comedy? Romance. Yeah, romance. Usually romance. But if it's a really good comedy, it will tempt me. Yeah, true. I like, in the perfect world, I want them combined. Yes. That's what I was thinking of where I was like, usually romance? Yeah. Okay, I like it if it's like, over-the-top romance, my my demi-self kind of goes, huh? <laughs> Same. <laughs> like, I get <laughs> kicked out of the narrative, so I really do need a little bit of cringy comic stuff. You will love Mysteries of Thorn Manor. Yes. Oh my god, yes. I just want to <laughs> talk about that book forever. I'll just start sending you guys stuff to grade for me so that I can actually, like, catch okay, up on sure. reading. I will do it. I was a student aide in high school. I love grading papers. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead, Kristen. Bookmark or dog ear your pages? Both. Yeah, both. I was an absolute dog ear, but I married someone who was not totally a purist, but like basically a purist and would get really offended. And so I don't have official bookmarks, but it's usually like shop receipts. Whatever <laughs> piece of paper Whatever is around. piece of paper is around. <laughs> I have a business card re- right next to my computer right now and I'm looking at it like that would be a good bookmark. See, I got a beautiful bookmark at the art museum in Washington, D.C., and so I've been using that one. Ooh. Wait, what's what's on it? I want to know. I don't remember the name of the painting. It's like the one with the waves. Caitlin, do you remember what it is? The Great Wave off of Kanagawa. Yeah, the Great Wave. Yeah. I knew it had like a pretty simple name, but I love that bookmark, and it's like, it's a metal one. I bought it while we were there, and I'm obsessed. Audiobook or ebook? Audiobook. Ebook ebook is the the first one where we're different yeah yeah i've mentioned it before but i have a job that allows me to listen to audiobooks so for me that's the best option i know i need to like go back to school so i can (laughs) get the job you have (laughs) you don't need to go to school for that (laughs) yeah i just need to show up at a bus stop in montreal exactly (laughs) (laughs) jesus christ kristen what about you audiobook or ebook 
You know, I used to like not read audiobooks or listen to them, but I'm getting into them this year. Like, I really think that they help me absorb the story a little bit better because I feel like I just have to pay attention instead of like maybe skipping over lines or whatever. I'm like a bad reader. So I mean, you can just imagine. But yeah, I think I'm moving to be like an audiobook gal. Like, I mean, I love my ebooks and I do read a lot of ebooks. But yeah, I'm gonna say audiobook. So we're a 50-50 split. It's me and B against you and Lady. A. Okay. Are you a one copy only or multiple copies? Depends on the book. As I stare over at my entire shelf of Holly Black books. (laughs) (laughs) Three versions of The Folk of the Air. It's a one copy unless I really, really like the book. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm a one copy kind of person, but the exception to that is... The Night Circus and the Starless Sea, of which I have four copies of each. We're not going to talk about it. <laughs> they have a whole shelf to themselves. I am not telling you how many editions of the Aeneid I have. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that we can have that solidarity. As someone who owns five copies of If We Were Villains, I'm not going to sit here and judge anyone for how many copies of books they have. It's self-care, people. It is. Okay. I'm sorry. I need it. <laughs> yeah, you don't need multiple copies of every single book you read, but your favorite book, you should be allowed to buy as many copies as you want. Okay, get off my back. Like, leave me alone. Yeah. Okay, you will be judged on your answer. Are you a book club person or are you a lonely reader? I guess I'm a book club person now. Yeah, I was like, uh, prior to Warren Page Library, lonely reader. I think I could only handle the book club of Warren Page Library because of the community there. Agreed. It really helps, like, getting you to stay into reading, having the book club. Yeah. I think I'm still a a lonely reader, just because, like, I don't know, my reading habits are, can't even call them habits. Chaotic? Yeah, they're chaotic. You read so fast. (laughs) I do. But also, she's just gonna read the same book three times in a row. Yes. Or, like, troll AO3 for the worst fan fiction ever. (laughs) And read it and report back, like, I have... (laughs) to do a book report on it but yeah i i read really really fast and like lady said i will read one book and then read it over and over again because i like it so much or i will read a book and then not read anything else for months and then read like 15 books in a week like there's no consistency and so even though i very much love like our community and love interacting with everybody and love talking about the books that I have read. I think I I have to say that I lone wolf it a lot with books. Yeah, I would agree with that. But that's okay. Yeah. I was only like half joking. One day I will get on a schedule and that will be the day the world explodes. I'll say um not in this lifetime you won't. Nope. What about you, Kristen? Well, I'm a little bit of both, right? So like, obviously, I am a book club person because I started one. And I do like reading with people and sharing the book together and reading with other people, I think, can make or break a reading experience, especially like for maybe a book that you weren't like head over heels in love with, but you had fun reading with other people. But also like I do have kind of weird reading habits too, where like I get in these moods where I read the same type of book for over and over and over. And I read a lot in a week. Like the last couple weeks, I've been really into historical romance. And so I read like five books in five days. (laughs) Damn. They were pretty short. Like they were, you know, around 200 pages each. But still, I mean, so it just kind of depends on what it is. Kristen, you mentioned that you started Born Page Library, and I wanted to talk about it for just a little bit because we've had such really, really great feedback from the members of our book club, and like they've been so encouraging and offered like really great advice and have listened to our podcast since we started it and have really like made an effort to share it. And I just wanted to give them a huge shout out because it meant a lot to all of us that that you guys were even like interested in listening and gave it a chance, let alone enjoyed it as much as you guys have. You gave us your life minutes. Yeah. <laughs> you did. Like I've said it a lot to the people in this podcast, and I say it's the people in the group too, but like I never dreamed that we would have as many people as we have in there. And the fact that 
we have as many people as we do and that they're taking their precious hour of their day to sit here and listen to us talk more when they already deal with us <laughs> in Discord is it means a yeah. whole lot. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, we were freaking out in our little private Discord about you guys listening. So we do appreciate you and I'm sure you knew that, but thank you for listening. Even like today, like privately, I was freaking out because I had left my phone at home and and then I got back, well, I got my phone when I got home. And uh, just being able to read the feedback from the book club, like literally listening to our episode and like quoting stuff back at us. And I was like, oh my gosh, this means yeah. something. I love that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like, I mean, seeing yeah. my own words like written by someone else and thinking that they're funny, like, I can't even tell you how much that meant. So, yes. Yeah, like we do that to each other when we listen to our podcast episodes. So like we'll text each other back and forth like, oh my god, this was so funny, even though we were there for the recording. But of course, like, of course, we think we're fucking funny. Why else would we have started a podcast where we sit here and listen to ourselves talk for two hours? Exactly. (laughs) So to hear other people say it was like so encouraging and so great. Also, just like I was saying, in terms of the feedback, we have just started this and we are not podcast veterans by any means. And so being able to get real honest feedback in terms of how to make it better has been super valuable. And if you're a listener and you aren't from Warren Page Library and you (laughs) want to join our madness, there'll be information that will tell you how to do that. We are so thankful for everybody and we are so happy that you guys have enjoyed this podcast so far. We are like so thrilled to be able to continue on and know that people are enjoying it. So just a big thank you from all of us. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Lady, you want to take us out? Sure. Our next episode will be released on the 14th of February. You can find us at Red in the Dark Pod on Instagram and Tumblr. Our email is redinthedarkpod at gmail.com if you want to ask a question about any of the books we've discussed this episode. We also have a book club. You can find us at Warren Page Library on Instagram and Tumblr, which will have details on how to join our Discord. Finally, we are hosting some challenges on Storygraph through the book club, which you can find by searching Warren Page Library's Book of the Month and Warren Page Library's 23 for 2023 in the challenges section of the app. The book that B talked about today was By a Thread by Lucy Score. The book that Caitlin talked about today was Down Comes the Night by Alison Saft. The books we mentioned this episode were To Our Dismay, Fifty Shades of Grey by E.L. James, The Stolen Heir by Holly Black, The Wicked King by Holly Black, Mysteries of Thorn Manor by Margaret Rogerson, Sorcery of Thorns by Margaret Rogerson, The Temeraire Series by Naomi Novik, A Far Wilder Magic by Alison Saft, A Fragile Enchantment by Alison Saft, Stalking Jack the Ripper by Carrie Maniscolco, Gideon the Ninth by Tamsin Muir, If We Were Villains by Emil Rio, The Aeneid by Virgil, The Night Circus by Erin Morgenson, and The Starless Sea by Erin Morgenson. Keep reading and we'll see y'all next time. Bye. 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 Bye.